jump in. And Father, thank you for your love and grace. We need you. I need you. And I confess complete dependency on you. And thank you that we're all here to seek you and seek out wisdom in the life that you give us. So please grant that right now. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Sanctity of Life Sunday. Obviously, when we emphasize these things, you immediately you go to uh, abortion. That's like your go-to thought. And I think at Christ Church, in view of the ministry of Bruce and Janice Trice and others, we've got quite a bit of education under our belt regarding abortion. Uh, it is still a very, very serious problem in the U.S. It is not over. Uh, just because of the reversal of Roe v. Wade doesn't mean uh, everything stopped. It just simply means it's kicked back to the states is all that that means. So it's still an issue, and we always want to be on the side of fighting for the unborn. Today, however, I, I want to steer toward a major biblical theme that we find in both the Old and New Testaments, and I want you to walk through the idea of life and death, life and death, and the decisions that we uh, really are, we face every day. Um, so here we go. Deuteronomy. I just want to read to you. Can I just read scripture over you? Let me do that. Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you want to follow, it's Deuteronomy 30. I'm going to start in verse 15. And this is what the text says. See, I have placed before you today life and happiness and death and adversity. By the way, that almost sounds like wedding vows. For better, for worse, kind of thing. Huh. Wedding vows, that's interesting. See, I've placed before you today life and happiness, death and adversity, and that I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, and that you, that you may live and become numerous. So there's this idea of blessing is automatically attached to loving God. Did you catch that? Blessing is automatically attached to those who love God and honor Him. So that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but allow yourself to be led astray and you worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will certainly perish and you will not prolong your days in the land uh, where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and take possession. So I call heaven and earth to witness against you. And that in Hebrew means I'm pressing something up against you. There's pressure. I'm calling heaven and earth to bear witness and pressing their witness in on you that I have placed before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live. Choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding close to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, so that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them. I just want to read a few more. If you want to follow with me, turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, and I'm going to be reading one verse. It's verse 11. 
Psalm 1611. David writes, You will make known to me the way of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. I love I love that line. You will make known to me the way of life. Follow with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 21. And I want to read a summary statement that Jeremiah makes. Jeremiah, just a quick introduction, uh, is the prophet God used in Israel, in Jerusalem, to call Jerusalem to repentance because the forces of Babylon are in route. And he keeps calling them again and again and again. Please choose God. And so this is what Jeremiah says in chapter 21, verse 8. God is talking and he says, You shall also say to this people, this is what the Lord says. Behold, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. The way of life and the way of death. So it is very much thematic in Jewish Uh, theology, Old Testament theology, that God has given us choice. You recall in the Garden of Eden and what we would believe to be a perfect place, untarnished by sin, untarnished by corruption, no damaged relationships, no bad relationships, all those things. Everything's ideal. Men, can you imagine having a perfect wife? Her hair is perfect. Can you imagine? Yeah. Ladies, can you imagine having a perfect husband? You never need to nag him. You have to get on his case. I'm reminded of the meme, a man, you know, sometimes a man just needs to, Chris West, a man needs to put his foot down and face his wife and take charge. And so this meme says, man to his woman, woman, I don't need you to tell me to do it. I said I'd get it done. And it's been six months, and I will get it done. So stop reminding me. Sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. That's what John Wayne said. So man's got to do what a man's got to do. So God himself sets up the scene in the garden where he gives them choice. I set before you the way of life, the way of death. You can eat anything you want. The pomegranates, I'm assuming, the... the uh, Delicious fruits and things that we can't even imagine. But the one tree and the one fruit I don't want you to eat from, just stay away. But if you do, you're choosing death. And so very much according to Jewish theology, Old Testament theology, there's two paths, the way of life, the way of death. And so on Sanctity of Life Sunday, I'm saying Christchurch. Are you choosing life? Your lifestyle, your habits, your beliefs the way you do life, can you say, wow, I am living out the life that God calls me to. Now, I want everyone to turn to this text. Please turn to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to talk about the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. The gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the gospel? The gospel is this, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die according to the scriptures for our sin. God sent his son for us on our behalf to die according to the scriptures, according to Isaiah 53, so that we who put our faith in Jesus, there's this trade-off. 
I get the righteousness of Jesus. He takes my sin. I'm made clean. I'm forgiven. This is called the new birth. John 3, if you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So when you study the gospel of John, you get all these amazing teachings about the Holy Spirit. That when you're saved, it's not just being rescued from hell, although that is absolutely what goes on. It is a massive rescue operation from hell. In the little letter of Jude, the writer says, look, we need to do our part to snatch people right out of the jaws of hell. Do what it takes to pull people out of the jaws of hell. One, one way we do that is by giving the gospel, and another way is by getting our doctrine right. Get it straight. Figure out the truth and stay with the truth. If you go woke, you go broke. That sounds economic. Let's try that again. If you, grow ro- if you go woke, you're missing the truth of the gospel. You miss it. You can't be woke and do scripture at the same time. You can't go liberal and do scripture at the same time. God's word is God's word. And, and there, there, there's no liberal approach or this radical conservative approach. We have to learn to accept the word of God for what it is. And so in that, we know this. The gospel is more than just rescuing from hell. That's true. It's the granting of access to heaven. You get heaven. You're not just rescued from hell. Dodge that bullet. You're getting heaven. And that's amazing. But there's more. You get the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul is teaching in Romans chapter 8. Look at this is this is um, Romans chapter 8 is a view to what it would look like to a person who's born again, who's experienced the way of life, in contrast to the person that's chosen the way of death. Look at this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So not only are you rescued from heaven, or rather from hell, not only are you granted access to heaven, you're given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of life. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Ah, the two ways. I lay before you the way of life and the way of death. The law of the flesh and the law of the Spirit. I set those two ways before you. For those who are according to who walk according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are in accordance with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, but it does not subject itself to even the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. 
And those who are, are, who are of the flesh cannot please God. So two ways. The way of life, the way of death. The way of the flesh, the way of the spirit. The spirit gives life. I want you to turn back to John chapter 6. I want you to see one small verse in John chapter 6. Jesus is teaching a large, large mass of people and the crowds keep leaving. They don't like what they hear, so they leave. They wanted him to bring a different kind of message. And this is what Jesus teaches in John chapter 6. In verse 63, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. And who it was who would even betray him. All right, Christchurch, let's look at this. Just in review, Psalm 1611, you will make me to know the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Jeremiah 28, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. So here's my question. I want to open it up to you guys. Do people see the way of life or death in us? And secondly, what is one thing you can do, we can do, to bring life to someone? I want to open it up. Let's talk. Do people see what, the way of life or the way of death in us? What do you think? The Christian message. What do you think, Michael? I mean, if you're following the gospel, then yes. Sure. If you're not following the gospel, yes, then you sure. see that death. Sure, yeah, yeah. Someone else. Do people see in us the way of life or the way of death? What do you think? And if yes, how? How? Way of life, way of death. What do you think? What do you think? Hopefully, the, both by the way we live yeah. and how we treat other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very insightful, Geneva. And when we live, when we're not afraid, there's so much going on in the world today to make us afraid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, faith is attractive, isn't it? That calm, that calm way, it is attractive. Someone else, the way of life, the way of death, what do people see in us? Yeah, that is so good, Patch, Michael. Um, I, I 
a good example of what this might look like. Uh, one time, several years ago, back when we used to work in an office, uh, I would go and just take daily walks just for a 15-minute break around the building. One day, I had uh, a woman that I didn't interact with very much uh, come up to me, but started a conversation with me uh, as if she understood that I was a believer in somebody that would pray. Uh, there's nothing that I'd ever done in the person's <coughs> life that may outright indicate that I was a Christian. But, you know, I've been at the company for a decade, and I had good friends. And so somehow, in some way, she saw that life, and she, God used that time of us running into each other for me to minister to yeah. her and pray for her. That is but, so it, but it's like it blows my mind because I'm like no idea who this person is and I didn't even know her name and mm -hmm. but you know it's just one of those things that yeah. you know, God was in charge. That is so good. Can I do a quick check in with my grandson? Is that okay? Hold on here. I'm shutting the mic off. So. You know, one of the things that preachers do that's pretty bad is they use their family as illustrations. And so um, let's talk about primal fear. Uh, when we encounter something that is unthinkably horrific uh, or completely catches us off guard, we naturally move into a fear response. We just do that. It's, a, it's how our brains are wired, the limbic system, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's, that's, expect, that's expected. We should have a fear response. We need it. It's actually a, a hormone God gave us to keep us alive. I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Uh, the, the people that I see who have typically very long histories of trauma, that fear response begins to dominate. It, it becomes... Um, it, it uh, overreacts, okay? And so the idea is if you have a, a five-pound problem, they may have a 500-pound reaction. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, fancy cycling go, that's called catastrophizing. We're making things way bigger than it is, right? Now, another form of a disordered approach is when you underreact and you act like nothing's going on. That's equally unhealthy. So if you've got a five-pound problem, you need about a five-pound reaction. You don't need to underreact, and you certainly don't need to overreact. One of the markers of people who uh, are children and they lack cognitive abilities or they're adults with long-term trauma histories or even some forms of mental disorderedness in a variety of ways, they tend to catastrophize. They tend to take things... Anxiety boy, I can leap to the worst conclusion in a single bound. And there you are, you know. And, and that's, by the way, that's pretty exhausting on the family, right? You know, where, where's mom going to bounce today? Where's dad's going to bounce today? What pendulous swing toward catastrophe and, and, and then pouting in silence? You know, what bipolarist, you know, pendulous behaviors we can engage in? Uh, or, or it's just cold silence, you know, underreacting and unhealthy kinds of things. So when we do this stuff, a lot of times it's because of trauma history, 
a lot of times we're just young and immature. Sometimes it's because, not always, be careful, I'm about to say to you, we're not letting the truth of Scripture correct the errors in our thinking. Thinking errors, you know, one plus one is three. Paul writes in Romans 12, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm appealing to you, my brothers, my sisters, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Okay, And there's just something about Paul there. Paul's literally being a psychologist at that point. He's saying, if you want to get your life in order, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Let's move away from one plus one is three, and let's move toward one plus one is two. Okay? Make sense? All right. Let's talk about Satan just for a second. If there's one thing Satan wants you to do, or rather, Satan will engage you on and what he wants to do with you. He wants you to, to understand he will not argue with one plus one is two. Satan's not going to come at you about that. He's going to say, sure, sure, of course it's two. Everybody knows that. But Satan's going to say, but have you ever considered three? It's just a little, a little seed that he wants to. He's never going to flat out say, oh, one plus one is two. That's a lie. Satan's not going to come at you that way. He's going to say, have you ever considered three? And then all of a sudden, you are your own Eve and you're eating the forbidden fruit. Or your own Adam and you're eating the forbidden fruit. The way of life says, I am going to believe and walk out the spirit that has been placed inside of me. It's the way of life. We are not Christ church. We are not Jewish. And we're not trying to keep Torah. 613 rules. That's not who we are. And we're certainly not liturgical. We're not Episcopal. We're not Methodist. We're not Catholic. And we're not Anglican, Catholic light, or whatever you want to call that stuff. Well, that ain't us, you know, that at all. If anything, Protestant Reformed is my bent. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, that God sets before me, sets before you the way of life, and he sets before you the way of death. And we are faced every day with a decision of who we're going to serve. And for Paul, Paul said, it's like Paul is saying, look, God didn't just you know, cause you to be born again, and then he just kind of runs you out the door and says, good luck. You know, you know God doesn't do that. God takes you in as his child. He gives you his spirit. And according to Ephesians 1, the spirit is a down payment, the earnest money to guarantee that your spot is reserved in heaven. The spirit is inside. He's given you life. And he's given you a guarantee on that life that it's yours. It's coming. And yet the mandate still stands. You're going to walk in the flesh. Well, one plus one is three. You're going to walk in the spirit. One plus one is two. Are you simply going to walk out the love that God has for us? And so do people see the way of life or death in us? If we are filled in the spirit, walking out the spirit, they're going to see life. Last Sunday, by the way, it, it was quite interesting. I talked about complaining last Sunday. And we looked at all the, the story in Exodus and the story in Numbers, which retells the Exodus. And how Israel was so bent on complaining. Remember I talked to you about the mental disorderedness of catastrophizing? It's exactly what Israel was doing. Moses, 
You've taken us out here to die. You did that on purpose. You're trying to kill all of us, even our little ones, and the cow too. Like Moses is some malicious, evil, malevolent, malevolent creature. Jump into the worst conclusion, accusing blame, the projective personality, blame everybody else for your issues or expect them to clean up the mess you make. Very projective personality types. And they're dumping it all on Moses and complaining and complaining. All right, you ready for the big revelation? You ready? Can you handle Are you sitting? Hold on to something. Negative people, complaining people, engender death, not life. <laughs> Is that fair enough? Negative, complaining, whining, yeah, 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 kinds of people, they just foster negativity and death. They don't foster life. You know what? By the way, uh, do you have any idea how smart you are? You all are very, very smart people. Very smart. Do you know what? In your smartness, you know what you can do? You can find something negative in everything. Do you know that? Everything. You've got that IQ. Did you know if you study Joe Summit closely and you get him under your little microscope of your opinions and you dial him in while he's on stage, you're going to find a mistake. Did you know that? You'll catch it. Some of you have already caught my mistakes. and Well, he's butchered the language and his, his syntax is horrible. And he stumbles when, he's, when he reads God's word. Is it known or no? Did I get that word right? I'm feeling rather awkward at this moment. You look for it, you'll find it. You will. And your bent, my bent toward negativity and toward complaining can bring out the worst in you and guess what? The worst in other people. If I, make, if I may, I'm going to make a brief comment about the spiritual gift of prophecy. One of the most misused, misunderstood terms in the New Testament regarding gifting and those who think they have it think it's a license to be a jerk. And it's not. <laughs> Just because you've got a sharp opinion and you think you know it all doesn't mean you're a prophet. It may mean you're suffering from childhood trauma and you've got to be right. Because if you're not right, you can't handle it. And it's so fun to call other people out on their mistakes. Is it not an adventure? Boy, the delight in taking the flashlight and putting it on anybody else in the room but to put it on ourselves, yeah, not so much. You want to engender death in a spirit of, of, of anti-God, anti-Christ? Go the path of criticism, complaining, and negativity. And finding fault with anything that moves. Because you can find it. You have that kind of an IQ. You look for it, you'll find it. But when you want to bring life Ah, Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of a king to search out a matter. He's on the throne. He's got the scepter. It's his job to root out evil. Boy, I wish we had one of those in our nation. <laughs> Could root out evil instead of throw the doors wide open for it. Edie, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Ah, you want to breathe life? Shut your mouth. <laughs> Stop talking about the garbage and the negativity. Be like God. 
Hush. Stop the negativity. It's the job of a king to search it out. You're not a king. You are not God and you are not his, his assassin for hire. Your moral assassin. I'm going to go out and get him. No, that's not your job. That's not my job. You want to be like God? Learn to conceal a man. It's brilliant, Bruce. How about Proverbs, I believe it's verse 10, possibly verse 12. At my age, I earn the right to be forgetful. Love covers a multitude of transgressions. Love covers. Boy, and we're the kind of people that cover with a motive of love. Others in our relationships, wow. We are on the path of life. We're breathing life into people. And that's truly, truly a beautiful thing. Um, what is one thing? Let's get practical. One thing we can do that brings us life or brings someone else life. What's one thing we can do? Love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. What else? Ah, James 3. For many of us, the best thing to do is never miss a good opportunity to close your mouth. <laughs> Don't miss a good chance to be quiet. Keeps you out of a lot of trouble. Someone else? Yes. I was just thinking earlier when you were asking about how we show life and death, part of the death aspect for me is dying to self mm. and doing that because of Christ's death and because that allows me to have life in Jesus. And what that does for me is that makes me less selfish and reprioritizes everything in my life. So instead of spending time with prioritizing time, you know, watching TV or whatever, you know, I, I want to prioritize time with God in the Bible. It prioritizes how I want to lead people at work because I want to find a way to put them first for them, for me to be less selfish. Um, because I'm dying to myself. And I yeah. think people look at that as something different than the way the world is. That's not a natural way that we react and respond to people. Yes. And that allows us an opportunity then to, to say what life we're getting by giving, by dying to ourselves. That is so good, Tiffany. Um, Amy, Howard, I know you're going to be mad at me. Um, I, I see clients on Saturday mornings, you know, 8 to noonish, 8 to 1, and Amy came by to get a document. We were chatting for a minute. And she said, hey, can I throw some salt on the ice out there? And well, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, sure. And so we got it set up. And, and I, you know, I'm busy doing my thing. And I look out the window and there's Amy. Her hands are freezing, by the way. It was so cold. And she's just scattering ice all over the whole you know, icy area. And, I, and that, Amy, that breathed life in me. Because I'm watching you sacrifice yourself. And thank you. Thank you. And you can be mad at me later. Just with hold, hold it for now. So, um, I know. Just, just quietly serving the Lord. Don't call me out on it. I know, I know, I know. Um, thank you, guys. What's one thing we can do to bring life? Be a servant. Tiffany, by the way, she is the epitome of that at work. What else can we do? Love. Um, yes, Jay. I like the, and I might not be saying it right or how you may have heard it, but I like this. Spread the gospel everywhere you go and when necessary, use Yes, isn't that good? Yes, I like that. Rhonda? Not basically what is a 
Talk about the Lord, yeah, yeah. Because they're both hearing the word. They may say they don't, but once you start yeah. talking about them, yeah. they get a softness in their heart. Sure. That's one plus one is two thinking, right? When Jesus did a self-description, he said, guys, look, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And so when we bring Jesus into our conversations, we're bringing life into our conversation. Someone else, the one thing that we can do to bring life. It's one of my spiritual gifts, so I do see the negative. Is is when someone comes along, like Janice, and and helps me to change my perspective because I'm seeing something so clearly, and I may be seeing exactly what's going on. Right. For someone to to say, "Hey, let's think about it in a different way," and that different way brings scripture into it. Yes. Yes. to God and not and takes my eyes off the situation for a little bit. And, I, yes. and, and it just it, it gets me out of that loop. Yes. That's so good, Edie. Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. Man, we need each other. We need each other to be faithful to Scripture. So, all right. Um, Christchurch, thank you so very, very much. Um, do you realize that you have a lot of life to give? A lot of life. And what a shame it would be to take that life and put it under a bushel basket or hide it somewhere. What an awful thing that would be. This is what Paul writes. What does the scripture say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. According to the scriptures, God has what is called a book of life. Are you aware? Book of life. What happens when your name's not in the book of life? Yes, you, you, you gestured well. <laughs> it's bad. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah. Have you ever realized that that's the point of greatest shame that you could ever have? The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Can you imagine standing before Almighty God? And the books are opened. And every deed you've done has been accounted for. Every word you've said has been accounted for. Every idle word you've said has been accounted for. Every click on the computer has been accounted for. It's all there. And you're standing before Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Talk about shame. Talk about separation. But if your name is in the book of life, God says, it's all forgiven. I've cast it behind my back. I've thrown it so far away, the east and the west can't even come close to it. It's gone. I've wiped it away and removed it like a thick curtain. It's gone. I am your Savior. That is the book of life.
This is the Holiness of Life Sunday. It's more than just fighting for the unborn, although that's a part of it. It's more than just being attuned to the needs of the geriatric and the terminally ill, although that's a part of it. As Christians, we breathe life into all aspects of society. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What is the one thing you can do to bring life? And would it bring life to you if you did that thing? If you let go of your need for control, if you let go of your need to be right, if you let go of of some catastrophizing bent inside of you, and you said, you know what? I'm not a good God. I'm a lousy Savior. I really want to trust Jesus. And I want to find life in him and his his life and move away from from trying to be uh, my own Savior. If you've never known Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm going to be in in the back area. I want you to come talk to me, okay? I'm going to pray for you. Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for everyone here this morning, the encouragement that they have brought to me. You are so kind. God, call us to life, to put aside the negativity, the complaining, the bitterness, the projection of our own mess onto other people and then expecting them to clean it up for us. That is the way of death. Hiding the gospel is withholding life from people. Teach us, call us to not be ashamed of you and your son. To follow the way of life. In Jesus' name, amen.